Welcome back to the basement, boys and girls. You are now tuned in to Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual. Uh, as usual, I'm here to guide you on yet another fine audio adventure into the corners of your mind, or at least ours, maybe. Uh, this week, we're actually going to be reviewing a new album from man, the, uh, the Skiffle Players. The name of the album is Skifflin. This is sort of a, a loose affiliation of... Uh, friends of like Cass McCombs, people like Neil Casal, the guys in Beechwood Sparks, uh, very much in the in the folk tradition. In fact, there are uh, two famous folk songs on this record, uh, which is g- good that we had Eduardo here, who he, he did an internship a while back. I mean, and I mean a while back with uh, the Folkways Smithsonian. Knows a lot about it, so he's going to drop some knowledge on you about that. Uh, before we get to that, though, you know, you may have been following the twitter verse or just media in general i know that kanye west has a new album coming out it is now out recording this on sunday morning uh the life of pablo uh you know right from the weird release at madison square garden uh something was just off uh and then on the track famous uh sort of an implied to my mind you know threat of, of uh having sex with taylor swift now You've heard us talk about misogyny on this podcast and uh, sexual assault. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were talking about Heathcliff Peru of Life and Death PR. Um, you know, back then we said that this was unacceptable. I, I, I will hold to that. that it's unacceptable now. Um, you know, but we're, we're going to really sort of dissect that here. It's about a 20-minute conversation about that. And, and, you know, unfortunately, it's not the last time we're going to be talking about this shit. But, uh, you know, things like this don't necessarily have a place. I understand, you know, it is in the culture of hip-hop. I understand, you know, the difference between art and reality. But, you know, if we're trying uh, at all to make things better, which hilariously was, uh, this is what Kanye thinks his album is doing, is making the world better, uh, then we need to, like, take a hard look at stuff like this and say, you know, is this acceptable? Can we support it? Uh, and so that's what we're doing. Uh, you know, it remains to be seen whether or not we're going to be reviewing the album. I'm inclined not to, but, uh, you know, I also know Marcus Stalin has some really uh, amazing thoughts on pretty much everything. Uh, so, I'm, you know, I'm going to talk with him. So maybe maybe you'll hear us talking about the album, maybe you won't. But for right now, we're going to talk about uh, one of the biggest problems with the album. Uh, so uh, we've got that, and then a new track from a band called uh, Night Beats. Pretty groovy garage rock. Not as groovy as Hunter Visions, but that's okay because nobody fucking is. Uh, so that is uh, that is your podcast for this week. So without further ado, I'm going to get out of the way. Here you go. This is episode number 157 of Chunky Last of the Podcast where we're reviewing the new album by the Skiffle Players, Skifflin. Okay. It happens here and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two word review. It just said. Sandwich. I will roll the record up and That right there is a wonderful Well, 
Uh, Pithy one-liners on LinkedIn. <laughs> that's going to be our podcast, huh? <laughs> I guess. Uh, no, welcome back, gentlemen. It's another Thursday night in the basement. You almost escaped the orbit, Eduardo. And uh, I'm not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to like be Dante here. Like Dante and Clerks, I'm not even supposed to be I don't, here. I don't today. know what this means. So you said you, you had uh, life to catch up on, something to recover from. So what's happening to all that while this is <laughs> it's all It's all on pause. Shambles. It's all, <laughs> it's all shambles. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you're here because I don't feel like this would actually be a 2016 Chunky Glasses <laughs> podcast if you were not here. I feel I'm, like I'm a little, I'm a little overexposed. Are, uh, you know what? I think <laughs> you might be the Tyler Durden. To Kevin's could anyway. be yeah. could I'm, be possibly this is this is exactly why I'm supposed to be laying low for a couple of weeks so we'll see um, if anybody was paying attention today we're taping this on a Thursday uh, the big Kanye West release uh, at Madison Square Garden live stream I myself you can look at our Twitter feed and see. Uh, my joke with Paul's, like, damn, in his chat window. Uh, went to try and watch it, listen to a little bit of it. Um, you know, this is uh, something we've talked about on this podcast a, a good bit, uh, and and that is uh, gross misogyny. And so, Patrick, we're getting your you – know, he's, he's making a face because I don't think you've heard about this. So, mm. so essentially, uh, you know, the gist of this whole thing was a, a weird fashion event. And Kanye is reviewing the album and playing it. And then in the middle of a song, I think it's called Famous, uh, there's a line that says, I feel like me and Taylor might still have sex. I made that bitch famous. Mm. Now, there are outlets, as we saw upstairs, Eduardo, that are reporting this as a diss, uh, uh, just reporting the last part, like, I made that bitch famous. That's not a, the fucking line. Yeah. A, a diss is I'm more famous than you. Yes. Right? I could... Um, you might still have sex with me because I essentially yes. own you and made you is is not a diss. Yes, that's now yeah. you couple this with uh, you know his his little tweet storm that we all made fun of, but you know was saying weird things like I own your child, right? Uh, to, right. to uh, Wiz Khalifa stuff like that, and then a tweet the other day uh, where he he says basically Bill Cosby innocent with a bunch of exclamation points. Um, I, up until this point, I think have been a very... Don't forget Bob Kardashian up in heaven making deals for famous black people. Right, sure. That's right. not how it works. Yeah. Um, I Up to this point, I've been a really good. I appreciate and actually am a huge fan of his art and mm-hmm. what he does. And, and really, and I am fine separating that from the man who's clearly an asshole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 2016. He has a, what, a, a couple-year-old daughter, three-year-old daughter, maybe? Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. He has he has he has a wife who is a successful, you Something. know, entrepreneur and and what in in yeah. the twenty first century formulation of that. Uh, um, is it? He, is it? Yeah, I, I mean, but the point is, why is <laughs> why? I already wondered about this with with Jesus a little bit with some of the lines that were mm-hmm. kind of really playing on the idea that like. Uh, an, uh, an interracial couple is so transgressive and people can't deal with it. And the lines about the Hampton, you know, Hampton wife, Hampton mouth, all that. Um, because those are just ugly words and they're like ugly yeah. sentiments and, and, and they don't seem to be delivered in the, in the service of some greater point. Right. Um, and so I'm sort of withholding judgment a little bit just because I've been, you know, probably one of the last few people I know who still, Defends slash celebrates Kanye's right to be an unmitigated asshole. Um, 
but this might be this might be a deal breaker for me too. Yeah. So I mean, for for me, I think it, I think it is. I mean, we're we're seriously considering whether or not we're going to be covering this album. Yeah. Uh, I'm honestly, I mean, I've heard it. I don't. This is just from a cursory listen over a stream. Not that good. Um, but you know, that's uh, yeah. I sent out some texts to like Marcus and Bryce, and they're like they're going to reserve judgment until they actually hear the thing. And and yeah, that's that's, fair. That, that's, that's fair. what it, due diligence. What what we should all do. Uh, but I, I, you know, if people are talking and saying things like this, and why are we allowing this and supporting this, like in our culture? I understand yeah, that yeah. it happens, but what the fuck, man? He had a moment right now to take all. You, you look back to like Kendrick Lamar's album and how positive that was, mm-hmm. and there's some misogyny in that. It uses language like that, uh, but. Certainly not directly <laughs> directed at somebody. Um, and uh, he had a moment to build on that. Yeah. And instead puts everybody down in a gross place where they're like, well, you know, what's your fame worth? It, it, it's, you know, if you listen to um, mixtapes at all, um, you run into this problem, which is that a lot of up and coming artists like, I think they just default to songs that are about things that I think are just problematic, like mm-hmm. violence or misogyny or, you know, and so, and so for a long time, like my standard of like what made a good mixtape was just like, there aren't any songs where the chorus makes me cringe or makes me like, yeah. think like, oh my God, <laughs> think of the children, you know, and I can't believe I'm fucking saying that. But, um, but, but yeah, I mean, he's, it's such a sad and conventional way to approach, um, you know, for a guy who, 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 who prides himself on being so original and so different, like, it's just such, I think that's my problem with like this type of, um, God, I'm going to sound so old, this type of like vulgar statement is that it's just also so conventional and unimaginative, right? you know, like, like there isn't even an ounce of originality in that disc. Like it, like there's not even a moment of it that makes me that disc, that statement. There's not even something that makes me think like, that gives me pause to think, wow, that took some real intelligence to come up with that line. Like, is no, this supposed to be ironic? Yeah. I, you know, a lot of people have leveled the criticism that, you know, basically he made my dark twisted fantasy. Like, yeah. she elevated his games. I mean, yeah, anybody, right, like, right. she made him right. famous. Right. Maybe he's uh, trying to make himself vile again, so he produces a couple of, you know, so so his next couple of albums will be good. You know, and, but, it, and, and it did match, to be to be fair. Like, the, the misogyny on Jesus is what kept it from being great. Yeah, right. It, but right. as a statement of, of raw anger, which that album was, like, it fit very much within what was very clearly uh, a character. He's playing. Right. This doesn't feel like a character. This is like, and again, you know, maybe if, I can't imagine how this would possibly be the case. But after sitting with the album, and somehow in the, it's in the middle of the album. <laughs> you get to this line, you're like, oh, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. I don't know. How's this making you feel, Patrick? Well, um, haven't heard the song. Right. Uh. My general reaction is I'm in no hurry to judge as much as it might call for, for for judgment. Right. And that is, I think the first four Kanye albums are awesome. Uh, I don't like my beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy as much as other people do. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little overrated. I like Jesus. 
I agree with most of what's been said about it here. We're talking about somebody who's not even 40. Is he 40? Mm. No, I think I'm still his age. He's not even 40. He's made 90% good music. Right. Um, He's said a lot of stuff outside of that realm that is up and down, not so great. Some of it's interesting. Some of it's whatever. Some of it's garbage. So I think I'm a little more interested in seeing how this plays out seeing how it fits within the context of the album, seeing if there's anything else that can color in the lines here, because I don't want to just react to this in a way if he was making it, if it was an attempt to be provocative towards a larger point within the context of a song or an album, then I'd like to hear that. But as you've laid it out, yeah, doesn't seem so good. It, does, it, does, it doesn't seem so. so. Good. And, and and I think Eduardo, the point, like when in any song, in any form of media, is that really an acceptable thing to say? Unless you're, you know, if if you're if you're casting a drama or writing, you know, an hour long, you know, episode of Scandal, right. like the guy who says that is clearly the the bad guy, the evil one, right? And you know, mm-hmm. and honestly, I mean, I know this occurs in in all over the place but like we don't we wouldn't accept it like say if if a if a punk musician <laughs> said something like this we wouldn't ex- like what what's going on well so you know the first if you just take the statement at face value so so first of all it's just wrong right 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 like right. like ta- it is taylor false. taylor swift is is famous 7 million 7 million albums before kanye even heard of her yeah she she is famous largely due to taylor swift um, and other fortuitous things, but, um, but, but, you know, so, so Kanye did Casey, not make Casey her. Musgraves. I just want to stick up for uh, Kevin here. Sorry. <laughs> also, also major callbacks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but so even like, again, like to, to, to work, to be anything other than an ugly statement, like it would have to like hold up to that first basic level of inquiry. Like, is this thing factually true? Does it even feel true? Right. And, and, you know, regardless of whether it's ugly or not. And so, and so right off the bat, we would just reject it. And we would say, this is, this is demonstrably untrue. Mm. What is the context of the rest of the song? Is maybe my follow-up question. It is. The, the, I'm trying to give Kanye. Well, the name of the song is famous. The benefit of that. And, and it's talking about his own fame. I mean, the, the album uh, is just through one listen again, is very uh, self-referential. Uh, it's not the only instance of misogyny on that. Uh, lots of I'm putting my dick in your mouth, uh, which seems to be his thing. Um, and, and, you know, I, I guess I guess if that's his thing, whatever. It makes him a kind of bad person. But why? Dark days why, here in the basement. Dark days. Yeah. Why is why is all this ending up on a record? And who is yeah. like, where is the person that says, hey, bro, you can't. You know, I actually just said to Paul, there's tons of guest stars on this, including Chance the Rapper. Like, so for them, you know, and Kanye did, right. like, shine a light on, like, he has elevated, like, hip-hop to where it is now, mm-hmm. in no small part. And, but I can't imagine any of them sitting back and being, like, hearing that song going, wait, what? Solid move, dude. Yeah, it's just, um... It's, a, it's, it's, um, to make this about me for a second, um, I take a lot of shit from my friends for defending both Taylor Swift and Kanye, and um, take a lot of shit from me for defending Taylor Swift. <laughs> there you that's go. All right. So, 
Uh, so this just this is just one of those like I know there's going to be people coming out of the woodwork saying like Hey, your boy and your girl are fighting. You know what are you gonna so? It's not a fight though. I know, right? It's a, right, it's a right. sexual assault. It it is it is. I mean I mean it's it's. You know, we it's, were talking about Heathcliff Peru, and this is exact same. This is the attitude because right. If people have this attitude, and if he's putting this attitude out to people, then that's why this happens. One of the reasons. Well, well, is it, are we at the end of Kanye? I mean, think about Eminem's run, and then mm-hmm. towards the end of his brilliance. Well, the that's lyrics, sort of- the lyrics got really provocative in a way that was like not useful. Yeah. I mean, are we at? Is that where we're? At? I mean, that's part of what I'm starting to ask. That's what I wonder. Yeah. There's a weird. So here's a, here's a weird thought, which is that part of Kim Kardashian's fame. Is the result? Sorry, I've never heard of her. Who is that? <laughs> Part of, uh, yeah. Sorry. Um, is anyone watching the OJ? We uh, just started last night. Because I do a pretty good juice. Not in Kimmy's room. <laughs> juice. <laughs> Impression. That was for my. That wife. is pretty good. We just watched that last night. <laughs> so. Uh, right. So part of Put her fame, down the gun juice. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I can't. No. Um, uh, so. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people who want to dismiss her, and I and I, I try not to do that as a knee jerk reaction. Um, basically, say she's famous for getting for for having sex on camera with, Ray J. with someone yeah. more famous than her at the time. Um, it's a really like sad like so the so like so again if you if you take Kanye and and you take him at face value, so you made someone famous, and therefore they're going to have sex with you. Right. And that it's just such a sad view of the world for people who like are ca- like people who have so much freedom to do so many things. And there are and, 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 and are capable of changing the world for for the better. Yeah. And in his mind, it's still sort of a straight up like notoriety for sex currency exchange. Right. So. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Maybe he's trying to flip the script about Kim in some respect and people saying that she's. Famous for having sex with other people who were famous. I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's the only that's the only level at which I could imagine it somehow. It, it wouldn't excuse the statement, um, but that's the that's the if I'm if I'm being very generous with him, that's the like the point that I would maybe yeah. hope he was trying to make. But I doubt he makes it in a intelligent way so. no, and, and please, Taylor Swift, don't respond to this. I know you, I know you yeah. listen to the podcast, Taylor. I know Taylor. Girl, just and just let crew. him do and her crew and her crew. Just yeah. just don't respond to this. Like, not not only are you better than this, every fucking Selena, other person, Selena Gomez. I mean, they're all listening. Yeah, yeah, but not only is she better than this, every other pr- fucking person in the world is better than Go this. Go hang out with Kendrick. Yes, <laughs> right? Kendrick and Taylor hang out. Yes. They should continue to hang out. Fuck Kanye. So uh, not literally, but I, I, let me yeah. just throw a more bone in here. I, I just want to say that all as it's been laid out, literally. I would have a very visceral reaction to what he said, which would be a negative one. But I just want to try to put it in context. Well, well I want to hear the whole album. We'll get your hot take once once the album's that. out. I just I just feel like I want to be a little bit careful because I'd, I I will defend Kanye to friends as much as as you probably have Eduardo, and I will say usually when he does something weird, it means there's something else going on behind it that has been less and less the case as things have gone forward. 
Um, but um, I want to try to give him the, the benefit of the doubt. And, and usually, though, something weird is designing a weird-ass fucking pair of shoes, not verbally, right, right, like, right. making a sexual right. assault on somebody. Yeah, but, like, look, I mean, the first, I will say it again, the first three, possibly four Kanye albums, I think are all great. I like 808, 808s and Heartbreaks a lot more than other people, but I think those first three, like, you'd be an idiot if you don't think those were sure. pretty good. sure. And I think they're mm-hmm. clever. I think Jesus Walks is really clever. It inverts a lot of things. There's a lot of going on there. So mm-hmm. I just want to be careful of like not overreacting to a single lyric without the context of a fuller thing. I just want to put that out there. That's well, it. it is unclear whether or not we're going to be reporting on the album now, but we will report. We will come back for your take on that, and and you know, in the context. Well, Edward, and, Eduardo and, will be here. I might yeah, not because he's here yeah, for everything. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 you know, and, and if we are wrong about this, and we will we will absolutely say so. But I I would offer up this that if you if you're out there writing music, uh, don't say things like that about people. Here, here. I I don't want to sound hard like hard to some, disagree. With yeah. That. So, um, disagree. you guys ready to talk about some music that isn't misogynistic? <laughs> Something not Wait, what? What are we covering? <laughs> uh, all right, time to get heady. Read a few names to you here right now. Uh, Neil Casal, Dan Horn, Farmer Dave Schur, uh, Aaron Spursky. Farmer uh, Dave on the pedal, right? Yeah, yeah. Cass McCombs. Uh, all these people, yeah, you, you've heard of them, uh, especially if you are listening to this podcast right now. Um, they have formed a now a sort of a super group. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, called Skiffle Players. Now... Uh, if you're not familiar, skiffle is a music genre. Uh, it mixes jazz, blues, folk. Uh, it's a lot of times made with homemade or improvised instruments. Uh, came up in the, the early like 20th century. Uh, you might know a little bit about this, Eduardo. Um, and uh, you know, this is not that. I, 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 this is not yeah, that. But yeah, no, it's not <laughs> British skiffle, <laughs> right, like right. what Jimmy Page grew up playing, right? Right. <laughs> Exactly. It's it's not that skiffle, but it it, it is uh, very much in an American tradition. The name of the album is aptly entitled Skifflin'. Mm-hmm. Uh, that song was uh, Omi Wise, one of the two songs on this album that are pulled from like songs that have been passed down generation to generation to generation. Uh, I want to talk about that first. I'm going to turn it over to you, Eduardo, to give a little background on those songs. Play it out. Yeah, so um, the two the two songs that actually the, the the reason that I'm here and not carrying on with my life as I'm supposed <laughs> to be is because when I saw the track list for this, I saw that Cuckoo Bird and Omi Wise were on this, um, and those are both really important songs in the like in the American folk canon. Um, Cuckoo Bird is uh, is is a song that was um, uh, made famous by Clarence Ashley, who was discovered by. 
John Cohen. John Cohen is this really famous ethnomusicologist, rumored to be the uh, the Uncle John of Uncle John's band. He was oh. he was in the New Lost City Ramblers. Um, he and a bunch of other guys took to rural America in the late '50s and early '60s to climb up into the mountains of Kentucky and find musicians and record them. And um, a lot of those releases are out on Smithsonian Folkways. Um, uh, including the um, the Clarence Ashley one. That's the first actually recorded instance of uh, a young teenager from North Carolina named Doc Watson, who at the time heard of him, who at the time played in uh, rockabilly bands. Didn't really didn't really play that much. He he'd grown up playing acoustic, but but he thought the you know it was uh, rock and roll was where it's at, and uh, got discovered instead playing you know some of the nastiest finger picked guitar um, heard in a long time. Um, anyway, so all those songs come right out of that tradition. Cuckoo Bird is, is, is an incredible song because, and it stands alone actually, I think in this canon. Um, I think it's been suggested that every verse in that song, and there isn't like a definitive version of it, but, um, but all the floating verses that appear in it also appear in other important folk songs, or there's references to them in other important folk songs. It, it has a lot of something kind of a something borrowed vibe. Um, and it's, which is why it's a perfect way to open this album. How does one because, copyright a song that doesn't have anything right? to do with like, <laughs> it? Wow. That's a, yeah, it's, it's, um, there are, and, 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 uh, if you listen to an, you know, like we all know that there are borrowed verses in folk and, um, yeah. and, and for a while the sort of the conventional knowledge about Cuckoo Bird is that it was an entire song of borrowed verses. Um, and it, it turns out it might have actually been the other way around. It might have been that these verses were all floating around in Cuckoo Bird and other songs borrowed it from. Uh, Is this the Rosetta Stone of, of it, folk? It, it could be. American it's a it's music. a it's a it's a significant song, I think. Um, but uh, and so both both songs are given just amazing treatment here, as as you all just heard yeah. on on uh, Omi Wise, which is a story about a true the true murder in the late 1700s of uh, Naomi Wise, I believe. Um, and here it sounds incredibly modern. Um, it sounds completely like it, it could be like the plot of Twin Peaks or something, you know, right. it sounds completely current, um, which, which is, uh, which is a difficult thing to do, especially when you're dealing with material that's, that's this kind of sanctified in in uh, uh, folk circles. So. Well, it's funny because it's not what they're doing. I, I don't think it is necessarily a, a new thing, but it's something we haven't seen in a while. Uh, if you look back at, and this is another reason why you're here to think too, if you look back at like the Dead's catalog, mm-hmm. a lot of their mission with Robert Hunter was to keep this music alive. They were they were more interested in folk music. What happened on stage? What happened? That was that was just whatever you know. But right. what the real focus was, uh, and and all of these musicians, um, you know. Uh, Farmer Dave and, and uh, Aaron Spresky are in Beechwood Sparks, mm. uh, a band uh, name and album is escaping me. I loved it. It was a couple of years ago. Um, Neil Casal has been playing with with he played with Ryan Adams of the Cardinals, uh, right. played with the Dead actually I think right the actual Dead uh, and some say he should have played instead of Trey. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but all of these guys have been hovering honestly around uh, TRI Studios, which is owned by Bob Weir. This was not yeah. recorded there. This was recorded in another studio in LA. But they if, if you they do a, a, a an awesome series. I'm not sure if they do it anymore, but. Used to be like on a Friday night or a Saturday night, you could like fire up the internet and it'd be a session 
like a jam just going down in Bob's studio and you have all these musicians and this is where uh, Aaron Dessner of the National got the idea to do their, their oh, the, Grateful Dead thing because yeah. they were invited out to this thing and they would just hang out it's very much the West Coast uh, LeVon Helms barn vibe yeah yeah wow. yeah and but they but they, it was out on the internet so you could watch these people like a lot of times it was just covering dead songs wow. but uh, you know Jonathan Wilson uh, is a part of this crew, not a part of this album. Uh, but but one of those guys played on a Jonathan Wilson album or two. Yeah, Dan Horn. Dan Horn. Yeah, okay. he played on that. I saw that. Um, you know, so I, I just to before we get anywhere, I, I do think that if you're like a, a deadhead. Just stop listening to this podcast. Put the album on. Like, yeah, it's I think essential. you're going to be that. pretty locked in. Yeah. I'm just yeah. going to say that. Yeah, it's not, but it's not like uh, I don't. Not, I don't think it would put off people who aren't into the dead. No, no, right. But it is taking a big scoop out of the dead and piling yeah. it onto the plate. And well, and, and that's the trick too, because I think a lot of what turns off people to the dead is uh, when they go into space. Mm-hmm. You know, and there are several times on this album. Uh, you don't like when they go in the space. No, I love it. Yeah, so do I. So do I. But I think <laughs> that's what uh, I'm saying. A star for you. But but it's, yeah, but a lot it's of a heroin a space people, song. A lot Come of people on. get turned off by that, and um and some people like get sucked in by the more folky stuff, and then are like, well, what's going on over here with with these songs that aren't folky at all? One of the strengths I, I found like listening the to this Dr. Album, John song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, one, one of the songs, the uh, strengths that I found mentioned Mac in this Mac album. Rubinic? Yeah, one of the strengths I found in this album is I'm waiting for it. <laughs> Not gonna say anything else. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Do you song, want me to interrupt again? I will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, one of the strengths of this album to me is is that they they represent the folk music, like you said. It's a fucking phenomenal version of both songs, mm-hmm. uh, and then are able to represent like folk music in general and oftentimes honestly I, referencing the dead yeah yeah there and is skiffle strut like yeah just devolves into space mm-hmm. no there's some there's some it's like the the allusions to the dead are really um well done and tasteful like it's sort of in like the phrasing of like a guitar lick or something like that where you might just be like oh that's that's a little there's a little bit of garcia's syntax in that in, right and how you you know uh, pulled that solo off, but it's also in the you know I know I know Cass is really interested in the idea of the West, um, yeah. and I know that and I know that that's very much something. the West and the, and the American music story in general. Yeah. yeah, and so and so with the Dead, you have you certainly have Robert Hunter and like the epic kind of Western. You know, um, there's a romantic sensibility there, but you also have uh, John Perry Barlow. Yep. who is a well-established libertarian yeah. who worked on Dick Cheney's first congressional campaign um, and who and of the his, EFF society. Yeah. And his, right. And his, and his idea of the West is, is one where like, if you can't hold on to the money in your suitcase, it's going to get lost in a card game, you know, or, or you'll yeah. get shot for it. Right. right. So cowboy. There, 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 yeah. there, there's, there are cowboy songs in this album. Yeah, there are. Yeah. There are out there. Actually, are I, I, yeah. I not, have, not the I gambler. Have, not the gambler. No, no. I have a major theme written, which is Western, and then that also means the, geographically, but it also means the genre. And then later, I just have 
one or two songs in. I just wrote the word cowboy song in giant letters. <laughs> it might even yeah. be the first song. But I, I agree with that, and I think that's right. Yeah. I don't mean to interrupt your flow. No, no, not at all. But yeah, yeah, they do. They It's just like deep, subtle like exploration of this that I think, uh, you know, like Patrick said, you know, if you're a fan of the dead, turn off this podcast now mm-hmm. and, and go get this album. Um, but if you're not so much but are interested in this type of music, like I've – I'm old enough to have seen this cycles of, of how this is going. And this feels very vital in a way that a lot of stuff revisiting this stuff has not felt in a really long time. For the simple fact, a, a thing that is a, a favorite thing of mine when people do, they just commit to their vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're like, we want to do this and we want to do it like this and this is what we love. And so there's no harm in that. Let me segue into one of the notes I wrote, which is at the first listen through this here, I wrote the words, it almost feels ambient. And that is not mm-hmm. a an insult. No. And, and mm-hmm. what I mean by that is it just sort of comes out of the wallpaper. Like it doesn't, mm-hmm. nothing about, and I'm not sure where I am yet on this. It's a very difficult album for me to decipher in some ways. But I, I do think that one of the best things that can be said about it is it feels like it came right out of the wall without any force or any push and it just drifted out of the clouds or out of the wall or yeah. wherever you are, just like it just floated down or out of whatever. It just came out of the air. Like it's very, there's nothing pushy. There's nothing forced. Nobody's trying to sell you anything. Nobody's trying to get you to decide to put this on the radio. Like it, it's it's in its own universe and rhythm and vibe, and that is a major compliment in this. Yeah, decade. it's very much like and I, we just the previous podcast, the one previous to this one, very much what, what the Pines were talking about, right. what they're looking like, looking for in their music, uh, is doing that. Like it's just its own universe. It happens, and it, and and you, I mean, you can visit it or not. <laughs> But <laughs> it's there. It's it's still it's, a place. It's there. That it's, still, it's still yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, it, it wasn't made like, oh my god, please visit. Come on, right. come on, come on. <laughs> go to our website. Yeah, right. Twitter, come. yeah. Um, let's hear a track from this, which is, uh, to my mind, equal parts of the dead and uh, Beechwood Sparks. Beechwood Sparks influence is heavy on this. Yeah, it's there. Which it's I am there. fine with. Uh, this is uh, till Stone Day comes. Nice. Oh, 
Till Stone Day comes, Neil Casal doing his best, uh, and I don't mean this in any sort of pejorative sense, uh, Garcia. There's nothing wrong with doing that because basically, uh, no guitar- modern guitar player can play like that. Right? There is there there are a handful of guitarists in the in the world. Uh, you hear them, and you're instantly like, I know who that is. He was one of them. You have way more to say, Eduardo. <clears throat> I don't play acoustic guitar. If you're an acoustic guitar geek, get the album. Like, <laughs> there are some flourishes in solo on this that you're like, even as yeah. a novice, I was like, well, Neil Casal, that is, is some badass. Neil Casal has guitar always work. just yeah. been so very such good. a it's fucking phenomenal musician. Um, everything he, I mean, I, I will, I will say this not for you guys. This is just clearly my opinion. The best Ryan Adams albums feature Neil Casal. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least the best Cardinals albums. Uh, what Cardin- cardinology? Yes, no, not that. <laughs> uh, you know what he brings to the table is a wealth of just knowledge of American music and perspective um, on what not just like he wants to say, but what the people he's playing with are trying to say. I mean, you think about like the catalog that uh, Casper Combs has had up to now, right? And you know, I I was saying off mic is funny, like I. I've seen some formation of these guys playing on that stream that I was mentioning. And people are like, well, what is Casper Combs doing back there? Well, he loves American music. And, and that, of course, he's going to be hanging out with Bob Weir. But 
how much it complements what Cass McCombs' normal inst- like instincts are is phenomenal. You know, to my to my ear. Well, I think you know, I think that, um, and and I think we're about we're about to go there because we were talking about this off mic a little bit. Um, so there's you know, I think we all are huge fans of Cass McCombs' songwriting. Absolutely. Um, he's he's really prolific. So you know, there's even if you don't huge, love all of it. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, but there's but there's but there's some very. Um, he's capable of of of, of writing. Greatness. Yeah, a, 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 a tremendous song. Um, there are a lot of really good songs on this album. There isn't that one kind of like you know the sort of elephant or something that just is the right right, right the the kind of full on like I'm going to put everything on display here. Um, but I sort of like the idea that this is not a Cass McCombs album and that it's actually Absolutely. him trying to work as a songwriter in a band. Um, and, and not wanting that band to be, you know, the Cass McCombs band or whatever. Um, and, and it gives me, and so like, I love the idea that like, um, you know, the indication is that they feel like they're starting something and that this is something that they all want to keep doing. Mm -hmm. And so I hope they put out a shit ton of albums. I hope they tour for years and years and years. I hope they find ways to incorporate old cast tunes into their set lists and, um, and I think there's 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 a lot that they can that they can do with that without disrespecting Cass's catalog, right? And without yeah. doing anything untoward, um, and without him becoming the the main driving force in the band, because it's clear that the other guys um, have ideas too well, that, and have that, things. That, I, I hesitated to use the word supergroup up up front, but that's I don't think right. I heard any hesitation. You just went right in and said the word supergroup. But yeah. It's all right. There wasn't even a pause, really. Okay. <laughs> um, can I tell you I thought of you guys because Crooked Beat currently has a copy of the Traveling Wilburys. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. It's in, the, it's in their rare section. I believe it's Sidecast. 30, I believe it's Sidecast. Oh, is, it, is it rare? $35. If what? You want it. Who? What? I am going to Vinyl? get that. Bill, it's if it's you're not. listening, hold it for me. <laughs> uh I need that. It was there two Sundays ago. I still need to do the Wilburys <laughs> cast. Yeah. This is, this is how this goes off on a tangent. Um, Sorry. But, but I mean, no, it's not that super a group, you know, because but put it in that perspective. You know, people who are at the top of their game getting together to form a band that, honestly, they don't need to form that band. Right. You know, when you talk about uh, a lot of stuff today uh, – is is sort of brand related, like you are operating within your brand, and you know you're just going to keep on that track. It's not a money grab. No, no, it's this is a labor of love. Quite the opposite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah this is just like, hey, hey guys, you want to come over and make a record? Yeah, and, yeah, uh, and it's not, and they're like, Cass, is is this going to be like you showboating for fifty five minutes? And he's like, no, you know, for true. Yeah, so. Um, I mean, at least, at least I sort of assume that that's, that that's happening. Like I, I, um, you know, I can't, because otherwise like it just feels like there's, there's a little bit of cast not that, that didn't show up. And I don't think that's it. Cause I think he's, he's totally invested. So I think this is yeah. a conscious decision to say, this is our, this is, this is who we are as a group and albums two and three might have his like Stella blue or something like that. Yeah. Um, but, but as a, as an opening salvo, like this is, this is remarkable. Yeah. So, so what are you going to do with it? Um, as you know, Kevin, I have, I have, I have already bought this. I can, bought can, the, can we mention, but the thing about buying it? Yeah, please do. So there's only a thousand copies on vinyl 
being being printed. Mm-hmm. So you have there one. Two of them have been purchased in this room, I believe. <laughs> I, you that are correct, correct, sir. So <laughs> well, that goes to me. Uh, yeah, I, I also am going to buy it because I did. Uh, and when I was doing it, and I was like, who am I? Like, what am I doing with this? <laughs> um, simply because I feel like this album, this project is so... Uh, this is what I want more people to do. Not nice, necessarily yeah. this style of music, but this is this this type of thing is what I want. And how can I not fucking support that? I have to support that uh, with my dollars. So uh, that happened. Uh, Patrick. Yes, Your Honor. Um, Bear in mind that Phil Cook might be listening, and he probably likes this album. He probably does. Uh, he probably loves this album. <laughs> yeah. So this I am track. struggling with this album because... It should be in my wheelhouse on a lot of levels. However, what is really difficult for me is that mostly when I put it on, I just want to take a nap. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just <laughs> not necessarily a good thing. Right. And so maybe it's because I'm old and uh, when I hear just that many casual, relaxed guitar strums, I get sleepy. Um, I also don't think the lyrics have much to say. I don't think that's the point of any of these songs. So it's not really a criticism. I think it sounds exactly like they wanted to sound. I think it sounds um, traditional in a way that has no real business trying to achieve anything in the current state of music. 2016, though. Which is neither here nor there. <laughs> it could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. I think my larger problem is there's nothing in this that reaches out and grabs me. And okay. uh, that's the part I'm struggling with. I feel like it's a wallpaper. So I'm probably at a stream. All right. I can't say pass. I think I think it's worth a, a, a try. I do think my favorite track is one we have not played, which we have discussed, which is the total drug trip, which is the second track of. Uh, yeah, that that one is a heroin song, right? It's you... total heroin song. My favorite Cass McCombs songs for the record are heroin songs. A Star for You is a heroin yeah. song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might be the one I pluck out of this and try to do something else with. But I, I sort of feel that. I don't know if this is where I wanted Cass McCombs to go. Okay. I'm not sure where Cass McCombs was going to go otherwise, but I I mean, to, who needs this album in 2016 is part of my question. I mean, like, do, <laughs> yeah. could, couldn't you, we couldn't we you, just raise our hands. Could you just put on the original Folkways version of those two songs? Couldn't you, you just play you the dead? Like, what, what are we talking about here? Is anything here that revolutionary? It's a very nice sounding album. But I almost feel like in endorsing it, I'm a, like the parent of these people. Oh, it sounds great. It's good. It's solid. Nah. I don't. Nah. It's not nah, it's just that about, good. It's, it's about it's how you not, feel about it, man. That's what I'm saying. It just, okay. I don't, I don't have, I'm not seizing on to anything. So I'm struggling with it in that front. I do think if you're into really interesting acoustic guitar work and uh, if you're into the dead, like you're going to be a total buy. But yeah. I'm just not quite there. You're not quite so there. That's what I'm leaving. I, I will actually check back with you uh, later on. Yeah. It could be one of those where, like, six months from now, I I'm think like, it was the greatest thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the uh, Skiffin players, uh, skip, skip one.
At the end of every podcast, we like to feature a uh, track that we either like, uh, suspect that you might not have heard, or uh, tr- try to punish you with. That hasn't reared its head <laughs> yet, but but you know we may be playing some Rock Me Amadeus in a future podcast. <laughs> <what I'm> <laughs> um, this we week did, we did not know that was coming. No, no. <laughs> th- th- this week uh, we're going to be talking about a band uh, previously in Texas, they're now in Seattle. It's, uh, Night Beats. Uh, the new, their new album is Who Sold My Generation. Uh, they are Danny Lee Blackwell on guitar and vocals, Jacob Bowden on bass, James Traeger on drums. Uh, this is very uh, Texas garage rocky. You know, their their influences are Rocky Erickson, Jesus and Mary Chain, Black Lips. Um, and this is one... The Oblivions. Yeah, this is one that we Nobody actually know who that is, but it's all right if you know who they are. That's a major influence. This is this is one that we actually were going to do an entire album's worth, and we just sort of ran out of time. But we want you to hear this band. Uh, so, what's the name of the track we're going to play, Patrick? No cops. All right. So here you go. This is uh, Night Beats uh, from Who Sold My Generation. No cops.
Yeah. <laughs> Always. Uh, no cops uh, from Night Beats. You know, uh, I, like, like I said up front, like, this was a thing we just ran out of time to talk about, but I really want to talk about it because of the guys we know in 100 Visions. Yeah. I, a, a plus. I do not fucking understand, besides the fact that I know they're busy and working and stuff, why people pick up on this and have not yes. made Hundred Visions yes. famous. Agree. And th- think- and that's not that's not like a like I'm a blogger type person. Like I got coming up on forty four years of like music listening experience. <laughs> I mostly like that Night Speed Night Beats album. I don't think it's anywhere in the ballpark of the last Hundred Visions. Fuck album. no, it isn't. I think you and I or or, or the first one and yeah. so. You know, this is good. This is really good. It's nice. It's really, it's a nice, it's well done. It sounds just like it's supposed to sound. It feels just like it's supposed to feel. It's a rock punk with a little bit of blues influence. It's very nice. Yeah. There's maybe two songs I would latch on to. Yeah. But we're positive on Night Beats. We're just saying what's frustrating is we've heard other bands not get nearly this much attention who make a similar type of album. Yeah. In terms of the genre. I mean to be to be clear, in terms there's, of the there's, genre. A, there's a ton of bands. Yeah. So so maybe, you know, if Night Beats, if you're listening, uh, email us. Tell us your secrets. How tour, how did tour you tour with Hundred Visions. Yeah. Right. I mean they, they well they got uh, well actually do that. For sure do that. But they <laughs> you know Black Re- uh, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club yeah, like, the debuted one of their songs yeah, yeah. on Instagram. I even don't know the words really? I just said. But that's a thing that happens. Well the guy from Black Mo- Rebel Motorcycle Club not only produces, but I think he plays bass on some of it. He might, yeah. yeah. It's a nice album. That's, yeah, party divisions are also good. Yeah, no, no, no. That's it's a it, it is a nice album. People yeah. people should listen to it. Yeah. Um, so that's our podcast for this week. I'm not sure now what we're going to have for our second one uh, coming up <laughs> at the end of this week. It may be Megadeth, Eduardo. Yeehaw. Um, Fine. Some, Finally. Some, oh, you have no idea, Patrick. So much earnestness uh, on that so podcast. Great. And so much drunkenness. I think I'm going to be in the Bahamas. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good place to listen to me and Eduardo talk about Megadeth. Uh, and Gus, I think. Gus was on that, too. Gus was yeah, involved. Gus got in there. I think, uh, I think I made a Catcher in the Rye reference. You did. Is, you did. It was amazing. <laughs> <which> is, <laughs> uh, uh, yep. So, so in years. summation... Does that mean you're uh, an assassin? <laughs> in, in summation, check out uh, the Skiffle Players. Or Skiffle Players, excuse me. Uh, check out some Night Beats. Uh, if you want to subscribe to us, if this is your first time listening and you like it, uh, hit us up on iTunes. Rate us. Leave us a review. Uh, write a long review if you like. I'm not going to tell you what will happen if it does. <laughs> still wait. Still wait. Hey, you may trigger a long-standing still, offer yeah, 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 via yeah. performance. Still, still, in terms of still legal out there. Uh, we, are, we are on Stitcher. And as I've been saying at the back end of every one of these podcasts, uh, and this is more uh, apropos since both of you guys are down here, uh, if, if you like... If, if what we're doing sounds fun to you, then reach out because that's exactly how Patrick, you ended up here, and exactly how Eduardo. Oh, yeah, I was a total dick when I emailed you. Yeah, <laughs> you were just like, yeah, fucking kick him out. I'm like, yeah, sure. I know, I know Bryce from the National. Yeah, you yeah, actually said that. <laughs> not knowing that I, I said ha- I had freshman English. Not knowing that I hate the National, but. No, um, I figured you did. <laughs> so, uh, this is your first podcast for this week. We'll see you on Thursday. Until then. Uh, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. We will see you later.
<laughs> 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 Kenobi.